Welcome to Ballistic Radio. Join us as we discuss hard-won self-defense lessons, as well as the information you need to survive a violent encounter. Listen as armed professionals, industry experts, national champions, and gunfight survivors answer all your firearms and self-defense questions while exploring your rights and responsibilities as an armed citizen. Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire, America's beacon of freedom. And now, here's your host, John Johnston. Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, this professional choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire, America's beacon of freedom. I'm your host, John Johnston. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at BallisticRadio.com. Get the latest behind-the-scenes info, arguments, photos, videos, other things at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. Coasting with me, thank God, it's the Danger Pixie, Melody Lauer. I don't have another language. But that, that's good, I guess. But hello. I've missed you, and everyone else has missed you because... I don't know if everybody else has missed me. Have you missed me, peoples? I, I think historically the way this goes is I get a co-host, and then everyone likes the co-host better than me. And then inevitably, when they you know have better things to do than the show, people get sad. So... Very happy to have you back. But hey, guess what? What's that, John? This segment brought to you by Lucky Gunner and Federal Premium Ammunition. Whether there was a firefight or you do, in fact, want to worry about that little guy, you need more ammo. And when it's time to restock, you can't beat Federal Premium Ammunition at LuckyGunner.com. With a shipping department that's always moving at 88 miles per hour, if I order a case of American Eagle from Lucky Gunner on a Thursday, it's at my doorstep ready to shoot before the weekend starts. Head to LuckyGunner.com today to check out their in-stock lineup of Federal Premium Ammunition. Remember, unless you're on fire or drowning or perhaps a UPS or FedEx delivery driver or even something else I haven't considered, you can never have too much ammo. So guess who we've got on the show today? Well, I know. So if I guess, that's not really a guess. He's, wow, I was going to make a joke, but I decided not to. Hey, well, I, nope. No, now now I'm curious. I'm sure he is curious as well. Are you curious? I sure am. Ah, ha, see, now you have to tell. Well, I was going to make fun of Caleb's height somehow, or perhaps his affinity for slingshots. That would have been a little rude of you. Wow! Burn! Fist bump. Okay. Hey, it's Caleb Giddings. Caleb, how are you doing, brother? You know, I'm doing. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's 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 funny about the the slingshot thing because I was telling the stories to my friends at work this weekend about how when I discovered that I had an affinity for ballistics was with a slingshot. My grandmother bought me and my three brothers slingshots. And my mom, being a mom, didn't want us to hurt each other, and so she gave us marshmallows for ammunition. Huh. I quickly discovered that marshmallows don't fly straight, and that sucks. So being, I don't know, I was probably seven or eight, I'm doing the math in my head, and I'm like, okay, when I throw a marshmallow, it doesn't fly straight. But when I throw a rock, it flies straight. So if I put a rock in my slingshot, it'll fly straight, and I'll be able to hit my brothers. At no point did I connect like rocks would also hurt my brothers. I was just interested in being more accurate with my slingshot. This culminated with me shooting my older brother in the middle of the shoulder blades with a really big rock, and then I got in trouble. So, yeah, fun slingshot stories. Well, I almost knocked somebody into a bonfire with a marshmallow, so look at me. Uh, I've discovered that it doesn't really matter what the external ballistics of something is if you launch it fast enough. 
tend to duck when you throw things at them. Well, the issue is when they're running and you lead them just perfectly and you hit them with one of those big jumbo marshmallows, like a 90-mile-per-hour jumbo marshmallow throw in the side of the temple while they're running next to a bonfire. And then you know that uh, rhinoceros in Lord of the Rings that they kill and it just, like, nosedives? And, yeah, it was kind of like that. But anyway, this has nothing to do with what people actually listen to the show for. So uh, for I'm sure sh- there's someone out there who wants to know the ballistics of, of marshmallows and rocks and uh, whatever other makeshift projectiles we can come up with. Clay, let's talk about the ballistics of a pile of clay. I mean, are we rounding it or are we just letting it? See, that would be part of the discussion now, wouldn't it be? Jeez. You could make a show about this. I'm just saying. This is what happens when you have people you know real well on the show. See, that's why I can make a little joke. Two minutes in, and we're completely off the rails. Well, I don't think there were ever rails. I was going to say, I don't think we had rails. So this is like we're building our little station here. Something like that. Um, (laughs) So, for those that don't know, uh, who are you, I guess, would be my first question. Well, obviously, I'm uh, Caleb Giddings. I do a lot of different stuff in the firearms industry. I'm probably best known for content production, which is what I do the most of right now. I do a lot of the marketing content for Lone Wolf distributors who, you know, they make Glock accessories, but more than Glock accessories. Uh, I do a lot of that stuff. I do content production for Recoil, uh, Shooting Illustrated, and probably what I'm best known for now by the general firearms public is my YouTube channel where I tell people that their guns are terrible and people obsess about how I'm going to shoot my uh, gentleman sausage off carrying appendix. Are we allowed to say gentleman sausage on the uh... – on the radio, <laughs> Joe. Did. Oh, just did. This is all I hear in my head. This is all I hear in my head. Just did. Like, ah. Uh. So. Well, believe me, I was thinking really hard about what I was allowed to say on the radio when I was coming up with that. So, Joe, you really need to set a mic up so that you can be part of the show too, because he occasionally drops things into my headset that is just incredible, like a random phrasing or something like that. Um. God, man, we are not talking about anything, and this is okay. awesome. It's a show about nothing. That's, that's so what it other, is. Hey, it works on, for I'm gonna, Seinfeld. I'm going to re-rail this. So the other thing that I'm known for is, what's the, uh, what was that scene from Fifty Shades of Grey where he says, my tastes are unconventional? Oh, wait. Uh, whoa. <laughs> at this point, I'm into really weird stuff when it comes to guns. Like I, okay, you brought it back to guns. All right. I'm like, uh, wow, uh, uh, we do not need to know, Caleb. I mean, I already know. Uh, that's you a, do? I mean, Caleb and I are buddies. We talk. What else? Um, <laughs> Everybody knows. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right? So, yeah, tell me about 4-inch 10-millimeter revolvers with red dots on them. How about that? Okay, so that is a project that I've... The re- the idea of a red dot revolver is, a, is an idea that I've had that I've wanted to do a workup on uh, for a long time. Years ago, before the whole red dot on pistols, when it was kind of starting to be a thing. Wait a second, wait work. a second, wait a second. You thought it was cool before everyone else thought it was cool? Actually, I thought it sucked before everyone thought it was cool. So oh. I, uh, I did a bunch of work with a... RMR equipped M&P, and this was probably three or four years ago, and I didn't connect with the platform. 
and I didn't like that the dot was moving with a slide and a bunch of other stuff. I had a lot of the same issues with it that people reported with, you know, losing the dot, not being able to track it and recoil and stuff like that. And at the time, I thought that the idea of a fixed dot on a revolver had a lot of potential as a sort of weird steampunk carry gun, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then life happens, work happens. I was never really able to get to it. I went and I took Scott Jedlinski's Red Dot class, and he was able to kind of help me connect with the Red Dot site, again, as a platform. And I'm like, okay, now I see the advantages of this on a semi-automatic pistol, which means if I make the dot not reciprocate, I'm going to be able to maximize those advantages and take away a lot of the things that I don't like. Right. About that time, Ruger announced their 10 millimeter revolver, and I'm low-key mentally handicapped about moon clip revolvers it's, in it's weird not low caliber. Key, Caleb. It's not low-key, even, even a little very bit. Very obvious. So I love stuff like that. I've always been a gun nerd where I've liked weird guns in strange calibers, and the idea of a moon clipped 10 mil revolver with a red dot as a real-world carry gun really kind of appealed to me. And I'm like, what can we do with this? Which is why now there's a moon-clipped 10-millimeter revolver with a red dot in my gun safe awaiting my shipment of 10-millimeter ammo from Lucky Gunner. Hey, thank you. I didn't even plan that. So um, let's see here. We got about a minute and a half left. What? what um, so have you gotten to shoot that very much yet or no? I've just been to the range to sight it in and... The plan for the the content is to do sort of a side-by-side drill-for-drill comparison of some of the standard drills, you know, like build drills, failure-to-stop drills, things like that, with an iron-sided revolver versus the red dot revolver. And I have a whole plan on how we're going to control for shooter fatigue and stuff like that, which I can tell you about on the other side of the break, since we're probably at the end of that minute and a half now. Mm, See, so you need to do more radio. You haven't, so you've got a podcast that you're working on and you haven't done it enough yet because that was actually only about eh, 40 seconds and we have another 40 left. Oh, so. that's too bad. Yeah, but my podcast doesn't have commercials. Mm, mm, that's true. That's true. But uh, when we get back, wow, stop touching my unicorn, Melody. Wait, what? <laughs> no, there's a stuffed unicorn right right next to the engineering board, and his name is Agnes. And Melody reached over and knocked him over, and I that's why I said stop touching Agnes my... Agnes is a girl's name. No, no, it's not. Agnes is Agnes. Yeah, but hey, now we're to that break. We're talking with Caleb Giddings about my unicorn, and you're listening to Ballistic Radio. to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire, America's beacon of freedom. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat, makers of the finest custom 1911s and scatterguns since 1977. A legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories, as well as the EDCX9, which offers discriminating shooters 1911 match-grade accuracy, superior ergonomics, and concealability with modern service pistol capacity and reliability at www.wilsoncombat.com. So my affinity for commas is awesome when I'm typing things, but horrible when I'm reading ads. And I occasionally remind myself of that. You know who likes commas? Caleb Giddings. 
Hey, Caleb. Hey, commas. Hey, John, I hate unnecessary commas. You know that. I uh, don't so know basically, what you're talking about. So basically, John is like your nemesis. Although I, I do remember getting a few text messages from you like, please kill John because he's put a comma in the wrong spot. Yes, uh, I have definitely sent those text messages. I early in my writing career was berated by editors for excessive comma use and spent a significant amount of time teaching myself where commas are appropriate. And co- and contrary to popular belief, you don't put a comma in wherever you would take a friggin' breath. Ooh, that's <laughs> close. <laughs> Do you feel triggered, John? No, I don't. You know why? Because, you know, if Caleb is the type of person, no, if Caleb's the type of person that he's not confident enough in himself, that he's just got to follow everyone else's rules. Like the rules of grammar? No, no, I, we need no rules of grammar. Oh, Lord. See, see, come on, that was amazing, right? That was, that was borderline. I'm going to give you three and a half stars on Yelp for that. Okay. Okay, cool. So, no, I'm I'm having so much fun right now. If every show was like this, I wouldn't have so much existential dread. That's you know, I completely understand that that feeling, which is why back when I used to do a podcast a million years ago, I that was why I quit doing it because it stopped being it stopped being the juice stopped being worth the squeeze. And now that I'm starting up another podcast with the wonderful and talented Annette Evans, it's entertaining and it's fun because mostly it's two friends talking to each other about topics that we are passionate about and knowledgeable about. And it should be available on iTunes as soon as they complete their review. But it's also available on my YouTube channel and it's live streamed from Facebook uh, when we have enough time in our busy schedules to do a live stream. Right. That, I, you know what I like most about you, Caleb? And there's so many things um, other than, like, you're my friend that if I am hanging out with you, I immediately look taller and more attractive. Uh, well, I'll give you credit for taller. Okay. It's also the Melody's face. Melody's face right now is just incredible. Um it's it's also the fact that you can just drop things in subtly, and I don't have to like really prod you to do it. It's like, oh, good, we're on the same page. So, you were talking about um, how you used to hate red dots, and then you went and took a class from Jedlinski, uh, and we've we've taken his red dot class and it's made in class. You should try and get to the Fisher's red dot class too, which is also I would. But Fishers tends to stay up in the north, mm-hmm. and it's, one, very cold up there. Uh, there are ice bears, and also it's very, very far from Miami. And I don't know how much you're aware of this, but traveling from Miami pretty much anywhere north of Georgia costs, like, three children. Hmm. Well, I'm glad that I get to see you in Atlanta this Sunday. So exactly. That. You know, actually, I get to see you in Atlanta today, or I saw you in Atlanta today because we're time traveling right now. I but, love these time traveling episodes. Right. But uh, on the topic of Red Dot. Yes, and that's Revolver, where I was going. So the interesting thing about it is, is I believed in the potential of the Red Dot, even when I didn't like it. And I was aware that the reason I didn't like it could be a skill uh a skill or a training issue with me, which is why 
I sought out Scott. I wanted to take his class and then to put it on a wheel gun. There are dudes in the revolver community who have been running red dot wheel guns forever because uh, in ICOR, the International Confederation of Revolver Enthusiasts, which is the sanction, the shooting sports sanctioning body for the revolver-only matches, there is a division for open revolver, and they run non-reciprocating red dots that are set up more like an open gun than you would see a... So they have big windows, things like that. It's less done as a carry gun, but I did want to see what it would work, how well it would work uh, on a carry gun. And what I really wanted to do was put one on a three-inch K-frame, but it's really hard to find a three-inch K-frame with an adjustable rear sight for less than like a thousand dollars. And I wasn't willing to invest that much money right. into this idea. So the Ruger came along. I like Ruger revolvers. I have obviously a really great relationship with Ruger, the company. And and, and your gonna, dog also. And my dog. My dog is named Ruger. Um so people think that I really like Rugers, and I'm like, yes, but also he got named Ruger because when I got him from the shelter, his name was Diego, as in, like, go Diego, go. And I thought that was a terrible name for a dog, so I wanted to change it to something that would at least have a similar, like, hard G sound in the middle, so it would be easier for him to adapt to it. Hmm. Anyway, done. Okay. Uh, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Uh, so go on. So with the with this revolver test, what what I'm going to do is I have a GP100 and 357 Magnum and a GP100 and 10 millimeter, and it's pretty easy to find 357 Magnum loads that produce equivalent recoil and muzzle blast to a 10 millimeter. Or if I wanted to go down to 40 Smith and Wesson in this 10 millimeter gun, I can do that as well. Although there are some challenges with using 40 out of a 10 mil gun. We'll get to that later. But the idea is we're going to run each gun through an evaluation that contains shooting various standard drills to control for things like shooter fatigue time of day we're never going to shoot the same we're never going to shoot both guns on the same day so it'll be you know day one i go out and i shoot the 357 magnum and i run it through the course then you know take a rest day day three i go out and i shoot the 10 mil and i run it through the evaluation standards then i do each gun two more times so i have three sets of data that i can actually compare average out and see if there's meaningful differences that the red dot gives me. Plus, that also allows me, on the days that I'm actually shooting the red dot gun, to focus entirely on presenting the red dot to the target. Because it is, just from what I picked up in dry fire with these, it's a little different where I have to put my head and my eyes in relation to the plane of the gun. Because the red dot on the rear of this revolver is so much higher yep. over the back of the gun than it is on a semi-automatic pistol or the iron sights on a wheel gun that it's literally, it's a huge, okay, it's not a huge difference. But to someone who has drawn a revolver to this same index position tens of thousands of times, it is a big difference. It feels different. Um. I'm curious to see what I'll tell you what I'll be curious to see actually is if the different head position and the sighting system coming into your 
field of view sooner uh, will result in quicker uh, presentations. I'm interested to explore that as well. I need to do a couple of mechanical tweaks to the 10 mil gun because it's got a uh, carry weight trigger setup in it right now, and I want to move it down to a competition trigger weight. But I, so that just involves me taking the gun apart and swapping some springs. Mm -hmm. So at this point is, and we got about a a minute and a half left again, uh, but at this point, I guess what's the point? Uh, just just to have fun? Because it's fun. Wait, um, wait, 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 wait. We're allowed to have fun? You know, we. it's funny that you mentioned that because this is something that I was chatting about with Annette uh, and we want to talk about on the podcast is we get, in the industry especially, people who do the gun thing for a living, we get so wrapped around the axle of, you know, this is super serious. We're training for the greatest extreme and everything must be taken seriously. And all of that's true. We, this is very serious. We are dealing with deadly weapons and we are training for the greatest extreme, but also guns can be a hobby. That's just fun. And if you want to do something because it seemed interesting, that's okay too. Right. Well, and that'll actually be a cool topic when we get back from the break. Um, because I have noticed all sorts of sort of corollaries between uh, gun stuff and fitness stuff um, and some other things that I think are kind of interesting uh, and I'd like to get your take on um, specifically, but we gotta we got to wait a second to do that. Anyway, we're talking with Caleb Giddings, and you're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire, America's beacon of freedom. This segment also brought to you by Surefire. Know your target and what is beyond it. But how can you really know your target? By shining a really bright light at it, and that's where Surefire comes in. From the 1200 lumen EDCL 2T handheld or 500 lumen EDCL 1T handheld to the 1000 lumen XH30 or the brand new upgraded with 1000 lumen X300 Ultra fits in all your old holsters, guys. If you've got duty holsters or carry holsters for X300U, A, or B, the new ones will fit in those holsters. Surefire, make sure you never have to yell as these lights! Ever again, Surefire, the professional choice for suppressors and illumination tools. And you know who really appreciated that ad, Melody? Who? Caleb, because I inserted extra commas into my delivery of this ad just for him. <laughs> Could you hear them, Caleb? They I, were there. I, I couldn't hear them, and I'm totally okay with your staccato Shatnerian delivery. Ah, Shatnerian. <clears throat> Shatnerian. That's a word. It is a word. Speaking of Surefire, uh, I put Streamlight-branded batteries in my Surefire flashlight the other day because I have a bunch of them in my house, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to explode and die, right? (laughs) Uh, No. That is funny, though, because I I was having a conversation with people, uh, and they were asking me questions about, why can't they have longer run times and blah, 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 and I'm like... If you understood the amount of stored energy in an 18650 battery, really understood it, you'd be terrified and, like, super impressed at 
what we're able to do with them and how stable they are, at least the good ones. And, which, and the corollary of that is that's why you don't buy over-modded uh, Chinese knockoff batteries because those occasionally explode and set your pants on fire or your cars or your cargo containers, you know, stuff like that. Right. Um, so anyway, here's what I was going to say. Um, I've noticed that, and you kind of mentioned it, but we take stuff super serious and we don't really have too much fun with it anymore, which oddly enough, I've started carrying a stuffed unicorn around and I sort of joke that he's my emotional support unicorn. Uh, but he's really not because I found myself taking things way serious and getting just sort of bummed out. And it's like, you know, so especially in what Melody and I do, we are, you know, we've got multiple curriculum, but still our primary one that we're known for is, is a class that deals with assaults on children and families. And when you spend a couple of years like actively looking for horrible things that happen to kids and like families, um, that gets kind of depressing. And it's like, hmm, I need to lighten up a little bit. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And oh. I, I absolutely see that same thing. And you find that as you travel through other enthusiast communities, and I've been in camera enthusiast communities, fitness enthusiast communities, um, um, you know, there's all sorts of all sorts of enthusiast communities. They all sort of follow this same progression that you see in the gun community too, where as you get more and more skilled and more and more advanced in your knowledge, experience, and understanding of the you know, high level end of that community, whether it's, you know, you're becoming super fit and you really have a great understanding of human kinetics and how the body works and how to get stronger, faster, better, and all of that stuff, you tend to forget that there are a lot, and in fact, the majority of the community isn't as serious about it as you are. And they just want to look better in a bikini or they want to not be made fun of by their friends at holiday dinners or they're going to their 20th high school reunion and their goals. And this is very true for the shooting community is that my goals as a shooter, my goals as a military member are not the same as the goals of a dude who bought a Ruger SR9C for concealed carry or the 33 year old single mother of two who's about the direction her neighborhood's taking. And we lose sight of that, and we lose sight of the fact that this can be fun at our own peril. And we risk becoming – we risk essentially just sniffing our own exhaust to the point that we get wrapped around this axle of this should never be fun. It's always serious. And then you end up, you know, like some people in this industry that I won't name who just aren't fun. They're just friggin' buzzkills. Yeah. Yeah, well, not only that, but when they see someone else having fun, it's like, oh, my God, bro, bro. How dare you? Yeah, exactly. Um, Well, and the interesting thing, too, so, like, I've uh, I've been kind of into fitness for, like, the last nine months or so, um, and I live in the middle of nowhere. Like, I don't have real internet. I can use a cell phone for a hotspot with, like, one bar of LTE, or I can get satellite internet, which is, like, the unenthusiastic uh, high school date night finisher of of internet. Wow. 
I'm really impressed at how you danced around uh, yep, yep, uh, yep. a word that ends in job. Oh, so anyway, it's it's you know what I mean though. So like I yeah, live sure. nowhere close to anything gym related unless it's a Planet Fitness. So and everybody uh, like. And I, I didn't really say much about it like the first six months I was working out just because I wanted to see if it stuck this time or not. Um, and it did. And, you know, so I started uh, posting about it a little bit more just because I had done one post and a bunch of people were like, oh, my God, you're motivating me to do stuff. And I was like, well, crap, if I'm helping people. I guess I better keep doing that. That and you and I, uh, well, we don't need to go there. Anyway, um, <laughs> Haha. <laughs> we we started manipulating people on the internet too, but we would never do that. But no, no never. Uh but the the funny thing is like I'll occasionally post a, a gym photo or whatever and I'll talk about it and then someone in there is like, Bro, Planet Fitness, get a real gym and I'm like, I don't know, man. It it works way better than the couch you're sitting on does. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of the funny thing is that it sort of reminds me of the dudes that are like, hey, if you're carrying a 3.8 or a 22 or something like that, kilt on the streets. And it's not to say that there aren't disadvantages to whatever, but for my purposes, one that's close to my house that also has national locations literally everywhere that I mm-hmm. travel to, that's like, this works pretty good. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I, I experienced similar things. So I'm a big fan and a huge advocate for uh, walking as a fitness exercise. Right. And you'll see me say online a lot, push-ups and walking are free. Um, and it's it's kind of my common objection to when people are like, I don't have time to work out. Yeah, you do. You're just choosing to prioritize something over that. And the interesting thing is, is I'll do a you know, 10 mile walk, which is involves a considerable amount of effort to move my body for 10 miles. And I'll experience the other end of it where I have these, you know, super fit uh, people in my life who are serious runners. And they're like, bro, why didn't you just run it? I'm like, cause I hate running. Yeah. I, like, I, I really, the only reason that I run is because the Air Force requires running as part of our physical fitness test. Right. So I train running enough to be able to pass my physical fitness test to a high degree. That's it. That's why I run. When, I hate running. When, so for me, like I run occasionally, and the only reason I run occasionally is, once again, to pass a PT standard that is required uh, for something that I am trying to do. And I'm not even trying for a high standard. I just want to be able to pass it with enough margin for error that I know I'm going to do it. But my mm-hmm. knees are shot because I used to be a distance runner, you know? Yeah, that'll beat up your legs. Yep. Uh, I will share my running training secret with everyone out there. So Get an Uber? My training? No, no, no. My training plan was I would only run in Miami. Like, I live in Miami. I would only run in the mornings if when I was hungover, dehydrated, and kind of sleep-deprived. So then when I actually went to take my PT test, I didn't drink the night before, drank a ton of water, and got nine hours of sleep. I felt Like a amazing. god. Oh, my goodness. I got out there, and I'm like, my god, I could run like this forever. Yep. Yep. No, I, uh, I remember the first time I started. So I was doing, like, low-carb stuff, and then um, – uh, reintroduced some limited carbs specifically during certain lift days. And, mm-hmm. like, there was one day where it's, like, I felt like the Incredible Hulk after he had just, like, mainlined Popeye. 
that you know what I mean. It was like, oh my god. <laughs> Uh, carbs make me strong and fat. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, but God, the the number of what what are we even talking about? Like, what are we We're talking, talking about? How we, we've got how fifty seconds left in this segment to talk about it. But all right. We're talking about how enthusiast communities are all universally the same and also kind of terrible. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Um, man, we should talk about cars next. That'll really get people going. So this is the best episode ever. Mm, mm. You know what this episode is? This is like a little kid whose parents leave and decide I want to throw all the cereals in one big bowl <laughs> and then put a scoop of ice cream on top of it and have that for breakfast with cake. I did that. So yeah, you, know. you seem like you would. Hey, we're talking oh. with Caleb Giddings. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional choice for suppressors and elimination tools. Surefire America's beacon of freedom. This segment brought to you by BigTexOutdoors.com. BigTexOutdoors.com is the best place for you to find all your everyday carry needs at the absolute best prices. Maybe you need all the lumens from Surefire at the lowest price? No problem. Spend too much time alone in your room, and now you need an RMR on your gun? BigTexOutdoors.com has those. Glock accessories? Yes! Fast, cheap shipping, 100% hassle-free returns, all that and more. And best of all, BigTexOutdoors.com has Ike. He's a good man and thorough. I like Ike. Everybody likes Ike. And you'll like Ike, too. Visit BigTexOutdoors.com today and find out what happens when every customer is a friend, not just an order. So I, I, we, you got to think of what we're going to call this episode. Um, maybe smorgasbord. Or something like that. I don't know. But we're talking with Caleb Giddings literally about whatever our ADD throws in front of us. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, here's here's speaking, one. Well, speaking of the ADD and the uh, the reason I bring that up is my, my girlfriend is the definition of a normal person. And she refers to me as an unmedicated ADD patient pretty frequently. And she's not wrong. Uh, but one of the things going back to the whole gun should be fun and sometimes we as a community take ourselves too seriously. A lot of what's brought that on and me thinking about that is I have been spending a lot of time hanging around with people who are completely outside of this lifestyle. They're the sort of people who think it's weird that I carry pepper spray right? and we just leave it. And then I'm like, Oh, let's not mention the gun then because yeah. Now I'm a space alien. And I think it's interesting because I know Melody has been experiencing some of that, having a norm, you know, a real, a, a big kid job or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, I don't know about her, but for me, it's really given me a tremendous amount of perspective on the things that we take for granted as being normal. Right. Well, yeah. And, and there's, um, and I think I talked to you about this the other day too, when uh, going to, you know, having been around, for lack of a better word, the serious, serious, serious people in this for a while, uh, going to something like a, I got invited to a police, firefighting, and EMT um, picnic and shoot. And I'm like, uh, I actually didn't want to go. I didn't want to go because I was like, I, you know, it just sounds terrible to go and, and spend some time at a picnic and also be doing something that's job related for me, you mm -hmm. know. 
and going there and just like people were having fun and I'm I'm super glad they were having fun. But then there's things like these are cops and EMTs and, and you know, firefighters and stuff and like seeing the gun handling and like I didn't want to be that guy who's like, right. you know what I mean? But it just it wasn't fun for me. It wasn't fun for me because it was just like, man, I I am taking this. Like, and in many cases, you, I, anyone who, who's their job is to instruct people on how not to kill themselves on a pretty regular basis. Like, we, we get all of these, we get so responsible for other people and we, we take it so seriously that we get around other people who are just trying to have fun. We can sometimes be the killjoy, you know? Right. And sometimes necessarily so. Um, but other times it's just like, you got to step back. You got to roll your shoulders a couple of times. And just be like, let the people enjoy themselves. And that includes yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I wonder too, though. So it's not very enjoyable to me when I see people, um, not injuring themselves or others because they continuously get lucky, you know? And that's, that's something that I've noticed about events like that, that I've gone to where I'm just like looking around and I'm like, Oh dear God. Oh dear God. Oh, like, like literally like I can't unlearn that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know? So it's like, and, and Caleb's been on the line with us. We are, um, to the best of my knowledge, some of the more safety conscious instructors in existence, um, I'm well, not. And, I'm not and, saying that there aren't others, but just like no. And and Caleb and Caleb and I have talked about it too. Like you, me, Caleb, some of the other people that that I think know what parts of it to take super seriously. And I think that's the part that gets kind of weird for some people. Like some people think you're in a stick in the mud or something when mm-hmm. you are you are emphasizing the things that really, really do need to be taken seriously. Like, no, there is nothing fun. There's nothing lax about you pointing a gun at someone else. Like, period. And I think I'm never going to yeah, find that a, fun. I mean, that's a big one for me. And, you know, in those like casual gun handling environments, uh, I see people put their fingers on triggers and it's not an intentional thing. A lot of times it's, you know, people just want to rest their finger there because it's designed to have a finger placed on it. It feels ergonomically good. So for me, in a lot of those environments, the only thing that I am super duper hardcore is muzzle direction. Right. Like I will, you know, look, if you want to put your finger on the trigger a little too early, I'm not going to like it. I'll probably gently be like, Hey man, keep your finger off the trigger or something like that. But muzzle direction I get real antsy about guns getting pointed at me, mm-hmm. uh, at me especially. I get really antsy about guns getting pointed at me. I get slightly less antsy about guns getting pointed at other people, uh, and I get even less antsy about guns getting pointed at the person who's holding the gun because at a certain point I'm like, all right, you've been warned. If you want to be an idiot and shoot your own anatomy off, I only have one tourniquet, so God be with you, my child. Right. But... Um, but I, I, I really, the, the big one for me is muzzle direction. And I think too, the other thing that I've been fortunate is in my other career with the military, I am a firearms instructor and I teach people Hey, I, I realized I probably have more actual in the saddle time teaching than 95% of people who call themselves professional firearms instructors, just because I, I am guaranteed to teach a 16-hour class, you know, every month. Right. And that's a that's always going to happen. And I will say it gets a little repetitive, 
but we I get to see all all the skill levels of shooters from people who have managed to spend 20 years in the military and are just now qualifying with the M4 carbine to people who are civilian gun owners and really think they know a lot about guns and shooting. And they think they know a lot about guns and shooting. <laughs> right. if you're catching my drift. Yeah. And then, yeah. I, and then every now and then I'll get a, a a freaking unicorn in class, and it's somebody who you know maybe shoots USPSA on the weekends, and they're a C class shooter. And when I put that person out on the line compared to you know everyone else, they look like a wizard. You know, yeah. and they're just a C class shooter. And yet they're shooting at a level that is pure witchcraft to everybody <laughs> else out there. Well, so we, um, you know, it's funny because um had somebody in class just this last weekend that before the class had said, I haven't shot in a long time, you know, and I had known that they had shot competition before. And I'm like, you know, what was your ranking? And I'm like, oh, I was just a C-class shooter. I'm like, oh, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Oh, fine. Yeah. No worries, even a little bit. And it's, that sort of goes back to the original point. We only got about two minutes left in the show um, that uh, the the serious, serious, like, armed professionals uh, – and most armed professionals are armed, I guess. Whether or not they're professionals is very questionable. But, like, let, let's just give the benefit of the doubt. The armed professional – uh, and the level of skill that they possess is not the level of skill that other individuals um, like baseline possess. And like a C-class shooter, most places is a god, you mm-hmm. know, is a shooting god. And, and I don't I don't think we really look at that enough, but I don't know. I agree with that. Well, and I, I made a, a statement that I stand by is that if you're an armed professional, you know, outside of elite special operations units, you know, or like FBI, HRT, LAPD, SWAT, you know, stuff like that. Outside of that environment, if you're an armed professional and you're a USPSA B-class shooter, you possess sufficient firearm skills to solve 99.9% of the shooting problems you'll encounter during your career. Yeah. Uh, frankly, I think all the, and we got to go here in a minute, um, but really I think the only thing that more technical proficiency nets you is uh, further opportunity to come back from what would be catastrophic mistakes otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, is kind of important when death is on the line. So oh, nice. thank you. Come on. That was great. But all right. What do you want to leave people with? Then then I'm going to kick you off. Uh, if you guys want to check out my YouTube channel, it's youtube.com slash gunnutsmedia. And go to Lone Wolf Distributor's website and buy some stuff. And in the comments, say that I told you to do it. Hey, perfect. Caleb, thanks, man. Uh, I will see you today, this Sunday. Right. Uh, yeah, but I, uh, I love you, man. Be safe, all right? Take care, brother. Uh, all right. Hey, make sure you check out our website, BallisticRadio.com. Like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. And keep leaving those five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us out. We appreciate it. Hey, also, you can check us out on Spotify now. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe and see you next week.